From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Emily Arnson. Today, we're talking to Jerry Shu, a Moab local who was part of the Stanford prison experiment in 1971. He recently traveled to Los Angeles to participate in a National Geographic documentary about the famously controversial psychology study. The study was supposed to simulate a prison. The lead researcher, Philip Zimbardo, wanted to see how people respond to labels in a role-playing scenario. In this case, how would people behave if they were told they were a prisoner or a prison guard? 24 random participants were divided into guards and prisoners for what was supposed to be a two-week study. But violence escalated so quickly between the prisoners and the guards that the study was cut short after just six days. In this segment, we talked to Shu about his experience in the make-believe prison and what it was like to see some of his fellow participants more than 50 years later. Why did you get involved with the experiment? (laughs) I was broke. In 1971, I was hitching across the country, and I was looking for a job. And in the Stanford paper, I believe, there was an advertisement for a prison experiment, get paid $15 a day, be housed in this fake prison, which was actually uh, the basement of the psychology building. And the previous, I'm not sure, two, three, four weeks, I had been uh, sleeping on the ground, camped in the rain. I mean, the idea of uh, two weeks paid room and board sounded good to me. <laughs> room and board as a, <laughs> yeah. other, either a guard or a prisoner. And I, and I was very happy to be a prisoner. I had a stack of books I thought I'd just lay there and read for two weeks. And uh, they took my books away and other people's books away. So, Yeah, I think um, before we get ahead of ourselves, can you start at the beginning and tell me, like, day one, what happened, and go from there? We were picked up by real cops and taken to the police station, fingerprinted, taken blindfolded to the prison, which was the university building. And uh, when we got there... They had every person strip completely, hands up against the wall, and they sprayed us with supposedly de-lousing material. Mm-hmm. It was probably deodorant. And they gave us a smock that barely went halfway to your knees and flip-flops and a chain around our ankle and a nylon stocking on our head. So at that and, point, did you have any regrets? No. a day. Yeah. (laughs) I could handle that. Yeah. They stuck us in cells. There were nine prisoners starting out, three in each cell. And uh, we were told we could only use our numbers, not our names. Do you remember your number? Oh, for sure. Five, four, eight, six. And uh, we'd have to come out in the middle of the night and chant our numbers and do jumping jacks and do silly, wasteful, demeaning things just to show who's in charge. Get out here and do 20 jumping jacks for me and count off. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There were lots of crazy events along the way, scrubbing toilets with our bare hands, mm-hmm. um, being taken to the bathrooms on another floor with our chains rattling and a bag over our heads. And one of the worst things about the whole experience was guys were begging to go home and they weren't allowed to. So finally, one or two guys were released and that just sort of upped the ante for other people who didn't want to be there. And it escalated and uh, prisoners barricaded themselves in their cell. 
The guards at one point took everybody's smocks away. Prisoners are naked, took their beds away in response to things the prisoners did. All right, so this happened all in six days? Well, we're probably only on day three now. Wow. Okay, so you were already stripped naked, your bed was taken away, and it was only day three? Yeah, I mean, the chronology, it's just hard to connect what happened when, et cetera, et cetera. But the overview is what I've been describing. In the midst of all the crazy things that went on, a replacement prisoner came in because some prisoners had left. He wasn't there very long at all until he said he wasn't about to play this game. And so he decided he was going to not eat. He was thrown into the closet with his two sausages that he wouldn't eat and said, you can come out of there when you eat your sausages. He didn't eat his sausages. At that point, it was getting ugly. And then they asked us to pound on the door and say something like, whatever his number was, 416 is a bad prisoner or something, and pound on the closet door when he's inside. At that point, there's this line between how much of this is a game, how much of this is real life, and just to keep things stable, I'll go ahead and do it. So he's in there, tension is really high, and uh, Dr. Zimbardo's girlfriend happened to see what was going on, and she got very upset and said, how can you do this to these boys? And uh, in his telling, it snapped him out of his role as the superintendent or whatever he was. And the next morning, we were told it was over. He said the experiment clearly showed that good people will do bad things when the situation puts them in that place. The counter to that is a whole point of view what is demanded of you as opposed to how do you spontaneously react to the situation. We were given roles, and uh, those could very well have been demand characteristics that drove the way it went. Um, One of the guards who became known as John Wayne because of his behavior said he thought he was trying to do the best he could to represent what they wanted him to be. And boy, he did a great job of it. He had uh, people hating him. I know that there wasn't any physical violence, but what was like the worst thing that happened? There were scuffles. Two guys tried to escape, and I don't know how far they got, but they were found. And they had to be wrestled back in. Guards at another point, they got a CO2 fire extinguisher and blasted the faces of the guys inside the cell. I mean, toward the end, John Wayne had us playing camels where one prisoner was on their hands and knees and the other prisoner was supposed to come up and hump the camel. And, uh, I mean, nobody said, no, I won't do that. Do you believe that people are made cruel by their environments, like the experiment suggested? Dr. Zimbardo, decades later... He testified in favor of one of the GIs that was involved in the Abu Ghraib fiasco. And he made the case that this was a perfectly nice young man put in a bad situation. While the the easy lesson of the Stanford 
prison experiment was that good people could go bad in a bad situation is way too simplistic. So you recently went out to L.A. to have kind of a reunion and to do some filming for the documentary that's coming out. Um, What were some of your first impressions of seeing those people? So at this point, we're all in our 70s. Right. And we're all strangers. I don't know if any of us had seen. And so it was not thrilling to see an old friend. They weren't old friends. And, you know, our lives went on. How did your memories of the experiment compare to the other people's memories that you saw at this reunion? One of the most fascinating things was I have regretted ever since pounding on that door. Well, it turned out one of the guards, who's actually John Wayne's sidekick, he was thrown in this role, and he was on the same shift as John Wayne. And he said at that point things were so tense, and in his frustration he slammed his baton into the closet door. And he said he has a hard time thinking about it ever since. It brings tears to his eyes that he acted that way. Well, here's a guy who has 50 years of regrets because of his frustration, and I had 50 years of regret at my acquiescence. So that was one of his biggest regrets, I mean, of all the things that I could imagine a guard could do in this experiment that seems like not that bad. Did anyone have, like, regrets of things that were, like, you know, kind of terrible things that they did to other people? Well, the worst guy, John Wayne, Mm -hmm. talks as if he, he has a sort of minor intellectual regret that, yes, he may have crossed the line, But he still says, I thought I was helping the experiment by being the best guard I could be. During the experiment, were you being guided as to what you should do or how you should act? That, in hindsight, became a biggie. Prisoners were told nothing except whatever the guards ordered us to do. The assumption was that the guards were told nothing and they just became guards and they got meaner as it went along. After it's all said and done, we find out, I mean, people have looked at this now for 50 years, but they were instructed to be guards, whatever that meant, and that they were supposed to maintain control, make us feel powerless, make us feel de-individuated. That wasn't put out in the early uh, news about this thing. Something you keep coming back to is this idea of playing the game. Can you talk about any instances that, you know, where that line between the game and reality was kind of blurred for you? They sent us to talk to a priest, and he said, "Uh, so do you feel like you're on the path to redemption? (laughs) I have nothing to be redeemed about. (laughs) I'm just here, and this is a game. Some of the prisoners bought it, and, well, he wound up going out and contacting a public defender who came in and talked to us individually. What can I do to facilitate your release? And do you feel like you can make a case that you're you're no longer the person you were when you were arrested? And it's like, how am I supposed to respond to that, you know? So that was, the, in a way, the worst part of the whole thing was being thrown into a situation of ambiguity. What do you mean by ambiguity? Am I supposed to be an actor here? Am I supposed to buy into their role-playing game as if it really matters? Why would I do that? On the other hand, behaviorally, when they call us out of the cell to do jumping jacks, I went along with it. It's like a split between behavior and consciousness. 
you know, you can believe that it's an experiment, but if people keep telling you something, that is, it is kind of scary to be like, okay, am I just in prison now? And I'm wondering, like, did those thoughts ever cross your mind where, did you ever start to just believe what they were saying to you? We knew that the guards could not harm us. I mean, by contract. But nobody just walked up the hall and out the door. Didn't dawn on people that they they were free human beings. It, it's mind, It's still mind-boggling 50 years later. Yeah. Uh, I think something you were saying earlier was you're not proud of that aloofness that you had in the in the experiment. What do you mean by that? And sort of like, how have you reflected on that? I've often thought I wish I had more empathy. And uh, a lack of empathy means you're sort of standing aside and seeing what's happening rather than taking it in. On the one hand, I came out of it thinking, boy, I remained sane and all these people went crazy. And then in reflection, I realized that I pounded on that door thinking he's out of the game or we're both out of the game, but we were both very much in the game. There's something self-serving about saying you were out of the game. Since being part of this experiment, do you ever... Even on a subconscious level, do you think that you ever think about what happened there when you're making decisions in your life since? Like something that you said was how mind-boggling it was that no one just got up and left, even though that was maybe a possibility. Uh You all just played along to varying degrees. Do you ever think about that? Like, do you ever find yourself in situations and it dawns on you suddenly, like, I could pick up and leave or, you know, oh, am I playing a role right now? In and out of the game is a metaphor that I often think about. And maybe we all do that to some degree, but I certainly, there are people I know and love who don't do it that way. And they're in the game and they care, you know? Being in and out of the game or moving through situations, that is not necessarily the best way to always be. Yeah. Do you think you became more or less inclined to play the game afterwards? Life is a game. In any, any encounter, we not only choose how to behave, but we probably are subject to the situational characteristics that spring up. You can see a photo of Shu as a prisoner in the experiment in today's show notes. All recordings of the experiment are courtesy of the Stanford Prison Experiment Archives. Thanks for listening to KZMU News. Get your community-powered journalism weekdays on the airwaves at noon and 6 p.m. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.